Our first reading for this first Sunday in Advent from Isaiah chapter 2. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn of war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise. Our gospel reading from St. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Concerning that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Two verses from Matthew 24. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You may be seated. I hope you all had a beautiful Thanksgiving, a great time to celebrate with your family and just to be together and rest a little bit. But as we all know, life goes on and things continue to happen in our lives and in the world around us. One of the things that's always very disturbing are the terrible news reports that keep coming uh, to us day after day, uh, despite all of the, the goodness that we seek in this life and in this world, the evil is just persistent. We continually wake up to mass murders, billion-dollar fraud schemes, homelessness, disintegrating marriages, families, government waste, inflation, and so on and so forth. Now, I usually see at least three responses to the problems of the world like this. One response is that we can fix this 
without God. And whatever you use, whether it be politics or government or science or technology or education or money or whatever, it doesn't work. In fact, it is that which is really the cause of so many of these evils, and that approach will only and certainly does make it worse. Another reaction to headlines like that is simply to kind of cocoon. That is to say, okay, I can't fix the world, but I can take care of myself, and I can work hard, and, and I can build up security for myself in the forms of, uh, of uh, savings, a good education, uh, good training for my children and family, uh, maybe even some weapons at home in the closet. This is my cocoon. This is how I'm going to insulate myself from all the evils of the world. And that, too, may seem uh, tempting. It certainly is for a lot of people. But in the end, even your cocoon, as strong as you think it might be, will never stand up to the pressure of the evil of this world. It will eventually be crushed. Well, Jesus teaches us a different way to think about these evils and these troubles in this world. His way is to stand fast, waiting for the Son of Man to come on the last day, Judgment Day. And so our reading tonight, beginning this season of Advent, is a reading about Jesus' second coming to be ready for that and to live according to that. That is how we face the troubles of this world. So tonight, you might want to jot these down in the margin. Uh, we're going to talk about the importance of Judgment Day, the necessity of Judgment Day, and our readiness for Judgment Day. First of all, the importance of it. In the Gospel lesson, Jesus compares Judgment Day to the great flood of Noah. Basically, what will happen on Judgment Day and the reason why it is important is because evil, which so often hides in the shadows and thrives with lies and deceit and seems to get away with it, as I mentioned in a sermon earlier a couple weeks ago, how many different types of crimes happen in the world and are never, ever solved. But Judgment Day tells us these things will be exposed and they will all be swept away, leaving only those who were ready. And we'll have more details about that coming in a moment. The importance of Judgment Day is highlighted for us every Sunday in the creeds. The creeds, if you'll notice, are simply highlighting some of the key important teachings of the Bible, like the creation, like the incarnation of Jesus, his death, his resurrection. But also, as we confess tonight, he ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence, he will come to judge the living and the dead. And as I also mentioned in the uh, first part of the uh, uh, introduction to the service, the church year also highlights this important theme of judgment day. And we come to the end of the church year, the season of Pentecost. In the last few Sundays of Pentecost, last few Sundays we've had, if you've been here in church, you notice that they've been judgment themes. Now we're starting a new church year, and you would think, at least I always thought, myself as a younger pastor, 
We just did Judgment Day. Why aren't we doing it again here on the first Sunday in Advent? And I have, sorry to say, it took me these many years to kind of realize this, but it sort of popped out to me as I was reading a book. I'm reading a book right now called The Lone Survivor. It's a story about soldiers in Afghanistan who fought very bravely. But the book begins talking about this intense battle that's taking place. And then all of a sudden it draws back and it goes all the way back to the beginning of when these soldiers weren't even soldiers, when they were being recruited, when they were being trained. And it gradually builds its way back, back, back up to that battle and to that climax. Well, that's kind of the way the readings of Scripture work in the church year. They are chosen to show us what's really important and to keep those things in front of us at all, the, at all times. And so Advent begins with a sermon about Judgment Day and then quickly falls back to the ancient times before Jesus was even born and then bi- gradually builds back up again through His life, death and resurrection, His ascension, and finally again <clears throat> as we come to the end of the church year next year that theme of Judgment Day. It is one of the keys to understanding the Bible. And it is often overlooked. It's easier for us as human beings to look backwards than it is to look forward. So we sometimes find it more comfortable to study the creation, to study the incarnation, to study the resurrection of Jesus, the miracles, and so on. But looking forward is a little different. Because, of course, no one knows the future. And the only tool we have to know the future is simply in the Word of God. And so we have to let go of a lot of other things. This is really what kind of tests our faith and puts uh, our trust to work when we look to Judgment Day and think about it. This is what Jesus did in His ministry One of his longest sermons, the sermon he delivered on the Mount of Olives, was delivered just days before he died on the cross. And when he celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples, he also mentions it there too. When he says, I will not drink this with you again until I do it with you in my Father's kingdom. Referring to the culmination of all things with Judgment Day and the new heaven and the new earth. When Stephen was being stoned to death for preaching the gospel, again, looking backwards, the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus, as he was dying, he was looking forward. He looked up and saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Paul, when he was in Athens, preached about the past, the resurrection. But what's the purpose of the resurrection? It's to get us through the judgment. And so to the philosophers at Athens, Paul boldly proclaimed, he has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. And then when we come to the second to the last verse of the Bible itself, Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, the Bible ends with the doctrine of judgment day. John says, referring to Jesus, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the importance of Judgment Day. 
We are not just preparing to be preparing. We are preparing for this final battle. The necessity of Judgment Day is also important for us to remember. Whenever I drive along the Mississippi River and as I'm passing through Alton, I always look at those giant concrete grain bins and that red line that marks the flood of 1993 when the waters reached 42.7 feet. I remember those terrible days and I remember the scenes of houses and barns, whole towns being swept away by that flood. There was no stopping it. All the sandbagging in the world would eventually be overwhelmed. The water goes where the water wants to go. And the only way to survive something like that, as Jesus was saying to his disciples, is by preparation. It's a necessity. Why? Because evil is a terrible reality. Anyone who denies that is either very evil themselves or just very ignorant. But evil is a terrible reality and that is why we have a judgment day coming. In Romans chapter 1, Paul carefully explains how we all know there's a right and there's a wrong. Now, why would God want us to know the difference between right and wrong? Well, one reason is, is he doesn't want us to live in the wrong, in the evil. He wants us to live in his righteousness. But another reason he tells us this is because he says, in the end, this is all going to be put to the right. God has an attribute, and one of his attributes is that he is just. And that means that evil never slips through his hands. And that's a great comfort for us. In Jesus, our sins are washed away by his death on the cross and his resurrection. But in his second coming and on the day of judgment, evils themselves will also be washed away by that flood of judgment. And so now that brings us to the readiness for Judgment Day. We've talked of the importance, the necessity, now the readiness. And think about these three things, preparation, peace, and power. Preparation, it really means readiness. And when you know when something is coming, Jesus talks about a flood, he talks about a thief coming in the night. When you know something is coming, it's totally different than when you're completely caught off guard. Think about a baseball. If you see that baseball flying towards you, it's much easier to catch it than if you didn't see it at all and it was flying right for your head. Preparation, in this case, means being ready with repentance, with forgiveness, with deliverance that God has given to us in Jesus. And this is the way it works often in my daily life. When I see these ugly headlines in the news, I'm reminded that evil will not last forever. Judgment is coming. And so I pray first for myself, forgive me of my sins, Lord. Help me to live according to your word. And finally, certainly deliver us from evil. That is our preparation. But also, knowing about this gives us peace. Evil creates tremendous anxiety for some and even hatred for others. When I was a college student, I was studying in the church that I was attending. While I was in college, it was a nice, quiet place to study. And as I was studying one night, the phone began to ring. 
I was the only one in the building. It was a small church. And I thought, somebody's just calling. The pastor's not here. Nobody's here. I'll just let it ring until it stops. Well, it wouldn't stop. It just kept ringing and ringing and ringing. And so I, I couldn't study like that. So I went in and the office was open and I picked up the phone. On the other end of the line was a distraught man. He was asking for the pastor. I told him the pastor wasn't here. He thanked me and we hung up and he later didn't find the pastor and get a hold of him. And I found out later why. The tragedy that had caused him so much angst was that his wife had been raped that night. Evil like that can plunge us into fear or fuming hatred. But that man did the right thing. He was turning to God for his help. To the God who alone delivers us from evil. He delivers repentant sinners from evil, but he also delivers evil ones to the final judgment. And in that, we finally find our peace. Our anxiety is taken away. There's no need for hatred in that case at all. We know God is just. And finally, power. Again, when we see evil in the world, there's a temptation either to despair or cocoon. We know we can't fix these things, but, but we can still do good things, and God is still bringing salvation into this world. When God told Noah he was going to destroy the world, Noah didn't despair. He didn't give up. He went to work building that massive It was designed to save a few human lives and two of every kind of animal. So when we think about Judgment Day, we should also think about the power that God gives us to live in spite of the evils of this world and to be ark builders ourselves, not building with wood and nails and pitch and tar and things like that, but building with our lives of faith being productive and helpful to others, and sharing the gospel always in word and deed. Advent, the word Advent itself means coming or revealing. And it is a season where we think about the coming of the glory of Jesus Christ to be our Savior and to be judge of this world. We begin the Advent season with the end goal in mind. God will come to judge the rights and the wrongs of this world. But we also remember in this Advent season that Christ came to Bethlehem to right the wrongs in your heart and in my heart as well. And so our preparation for Christmas is good in this way, finding in Christ our forgiveness, but also in the promises of an ultimate judgment day, facing evil and even judgment day itself, being ready, prepared, at peace, and living in the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us. Amen. Please rise.